Maranatha, September 26. No matters after probation closes. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Psalms 91 verse 15. The people of God will not be free from suffering, but while persecuted and distressed, while they endure privation and suffer for want of food, they will not be left to perish. Yet to human sight it will appear that the people of God must soon seal their testimony with their blood as did the martyrs before them. They themselves begin to fear that the Lord has left them to fall by the hand of their enemies. It is a time of fearful agony. Day and night they cry unto God for deliverance. The eye of God, looking down the ages, was fixed upon the crisis which his people are to meet. When earthly power shall be arrayed against them, like the captive exile, they will be in fear of death by starvation or by violence. But the Holy One who divided the Red Sea before Israel will manifest his mighty power and turn their captivity. They shall be mine, said the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spared his own son that severed him. Malachi chapter 3 verse 17. If the blood of Christ faithful witness were shed at this time, it will not, like the blood of the martyrs, be a seed sown to yield a harvest for God. Their fidelity will not be a testimony to convince others of the truth, for the obdurate heart has beaten back the waves of mercy until they return no more. If the righteous were now left to fall a prey to their enemies, it would be a triumph for the prince of darkness, says the psalmist. In the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. Psalms 27 verse 5 Cries has spoken. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself as it were for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For, behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 20 and 21. Glorious will be the deliverance of those who have patiently waited for his coming and whose names are written in the book of life. Great Controversy 629. Amen. Speaking of the time of trouble, in the book of Jeremiah chapter 30, reading from verse 5 to 7, the Bible says, 
For thus saith the Lord, We have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask ye now, and see whether a man doth travail with child. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins, as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness? Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Amen. Now, the context of this Bible passage, Jeremiah says, all faces, that is, he's referring to the whole world now, all faces are turned with paleness during this great day. And he says that there is no day like this day. So, what else can that be? What day can this be? Because Jesus talks about a time of tribulation that is coming. That there is none that is going to be like it. No, none has been like it and there will never be anyone like it. So, that means Jesus and Jeremiah must be speaking about the same period of time. And we, at least if we are not clear on, on Jeremiah's own, we are clear on Jesus' own. Jesus said his own in the book of Matthew 24 when he was talking about the end time just before he comes. That was why he said that. That just before he comes, there will be a great tribulation such as was not since there was the, the earth was made and there will never be anyone like it. So that means that this Jeremiah's time of trouble is still referring to that period. But he says the time of Jacob's trouble. That means even in the Bible passages that talks about the time of trouble, like in the book of uh, Psalms chapter 27, verse 5 that says in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle he shall he hide me this he is referring to in jeremiah jacob now jeremiah says the time of jacob's trouble psalm says he shall hide me jesus calls it a time of trouble for his people but all of them are adding different informations like two of them now in the book of psalms and the book of jeremiah we are told that in this time of trouble God is going to hide his people. And then in Jeremiah, he says that he shall be saved out of it. At least we are sure that Jeremiah was not referring to Jacob. He says the time of Jacob's trouble, but Jacob was already dead. So Jacob being referred to here are the people of God. Psalms talking about David writing, he shall hide me, is referring to the people of God. That in this time of trouble, God is going to hide his people. And then Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah 26, verse 20 and 21, says what God is going to say at that time. God is going to say, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. You see, let us take it literally for what Isaiah says. This is not punishing Jerusalem. This is not punishing Assyria. This is not punishing Babylon. This is punishing the inhabitants of the earth. So we are talking of a universal thing here, which is therefore it must be referring to the end of time. Because that is when God is going to punish the inhabitants of the earth. Now what's going to happen to God's people? You know the devotion is titled, No Matter As After Probation Closes. This is going to happen after probation closes. That is when God is going to be pouring out his indignation. Didn't God use this word in the book of uh, Revelation chapter 14? The third angel's message. What does it say? The wrath of God, right? Yes. 
poured out without mixture, which is in the cup of his indignation. That's what he says there in the third angel's message. So the indignation being referred to here is the punishment that God is going to give because the wrath of God, as we understand in the book of Revelation 15 verse 1 and also in Revelation 16 downwards, the indignation being referred to is the seven last plagues. The seven last plagues takes place after probation closes. So the devotion saying that there will be no matters after the time of trouble is substantiated with the Bible passages here. Now when God's indignation, which is the seven last plagues, is taking place, he is going to say, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself as it were for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed, while he is punishing the rest of the world. And then we have already seen in also Malachi 3 verse 17. We've seen before in Psalms 29. We've seen that one. Psalms 20, sorry, 27 verse 5. Then the one in Malachi 3:17 says, They shall be mine, said the Lord of hosts. In that day, still referring to the same day, the time of trouble. In that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spared his own son that serveth him. The Bible substantiates it very clearly. It's just that it looks as if we've not really seen it from the Bible, but it is true from the Bible that during the time of trouble, which is the time of the great tribulation that Jesus talks about, or the time when the seven last plagues we talk about, uh, talked about in Revelation 15 and uh, 16, or the indignation talked about by the third angel, the Bible has already taught us that during that indignation, God's people are going to be hidden in the pavilion. Psalms 91 also says the same thing, that that chamber that chamber that God is going to hide his people is Christ himself. Christ is going to hide them and there will be no martyrs. And the reason is given. The reason why God will not permit any of his people to be to perish in that time is that here it says in the devotion in the fourth paragraph If the blood of Christ's faithful witnesses were shed at this time it would not like the blood of the martyrs be a seed sown to yield a harvest for God. Their fidelity would not be a testimony to convince others of the truth, for the obdurate heart has beaten back the waves of mercy until they return no more. If the righteous were now to fall a prey to their enemies, it would be a triumph for the prince of darkness. So that's the reason why there won't be any any uh, matters at this time. And, we, and it's something to thank God for, really, because it shows that he's going to protect his people. It shows that he's going to shield them. It's already enough. God is just. It's already enough that they are going to pass through a trouble that Satan is going to be tempting them to lose their faith. So God will not tempt us above that which we are able. That's what we are told in the book of 1 Corinthians 10, verse uh, starting from verse 10, 11, 12, 13. God will not allow us to be tempted above that which we are able but will always make a way of escape so that we'll be able to bear it we thank god for his mercies i pray that we all and that we'll make it to that time in the first place in jesus name no matters after probation closes the text we read in psalms says he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. First, what is God honoring 
this class of people with verse 16 with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation in the reading we are told that these people who God is going to protect are people who have been faithful to God's word and as such what qualifies us to that time of trouble to have the safety of God is faithfulness today there's something else the Bible says in verse 14 of that same Psalm 91 says because he has set his love upon me therefore will I deliver him I will set him on high because he had known my name the phrase because he has set his love upon me why would a man want to love God to stand distress the reading says that the people in in the paragraph 2 the people of God will not be free from suffering but while persecuted and distressed while they endure privations and suffer for want of food they will not be left to perish so here we see that this love these people have for God has been set on stone God's own understanding is because he has set his love on me we need to make our love for God deeper reminds me of why uh, Peter when God brought him back love really awakens love we need to understand that it is love for God that will really pull us through from now to the end Peter himself denied Jesus I want to believe that it's the way Jesus treated Peter that made him to even give his life for Christ we are told in the history books that Peter was crucified upside down and what made Peter love Jesus more was when he understood how Jesus treated him when he failed Jesus this is someone whom Jesus healed the mother-in-law this was the same person who Jesus gave bounties when he was fishing the same Peter was the one who told Jesus let us make three houses right for yourself Elijah and Moses Peter was the one who who told Jesus I will not deny you even even all men forsake you that same Jesus denied that same Peter rather denied Jesus three good times and under what threat a threat of a maid a threat of a servant a doorkeeper there was no force really applied at that time we can understand that his love then was what weak it wasn't as strong as it ought to be his preparation was also poor but when Jesus brought him when Jesus met him after his fall remember Jesus telling Peter I have prayed for you Satan has desired to sift you as a wheat but I have prayed for you the way Jesus dealt with Peter both before during and after his disappointment was what made Peter realize that God really loved him now that same love was what awoken uh, 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 what made Peter to be to understand the love of God towards him he did not deserve even the position Jesus gave to him Jesus told him feed my sheep feed my lamb I still have work for you for some of us who have studied the lesson we can understand that 
the honor that Jesus gave to Peter was not commensurate to the failure or the sins he has committed. The same applies to us today. If we but can take time to reflect in our own past and see how much we have disappointed or denied Jesus, maybe under the pressure of friends, maybe under the pressure of family, maybe under the pressure of our own appetite, maybe there is a ceremony or an event and we go there and disappoint Jesus, whereas he was counting on us to say the truth, to say what is evidently the truth but we denied him maybe we've not seen the sin our sins as big as peter saw his perhaps we need to pray to see ourselves that way the reason why i'm making emphasis on this is that our love for god will only grow as when we compare our disappointment our failures in light of how much he has cherished us we have life today which we do not deserve we have food today which we do not deserve we have jesus even dying for us which we do not deserve and we're even told eternal life which we do not deserve so for these benefits we have the company of angels we have the fellowship of brethren we have safety all through the night should we not have died while at sleep who would complain the dead man cannot complain but god has returned to us bounties and benefits which we don't deserve for the first time we lied for all our sins so we need to take our minds back to these things and see that our sin is as equal to what peter did it's the same as what adam and eve did and for that god has loved us let these things boil love in us so that eventually this love which will conquer all things which will stand the time of trouble which will help us to be faithful will be built in us so that that time of trouble will find us safe in Christ. May this be our experience in Jesus' name. Okay, the reading says that the eye of God looking down the ages was fixed upon the crisis which his people are to meet. Now, the eye of God looking down the ages was fixed upon the crisis which his people are to meet when earthly powers shall be arrayed against them in other words god has so many things to care for i mean the birds of the air the grass the animals on land humans billions upon billions of people he keeps all of us and all living creatures alive but the reading is saying that his eyes is, was fixed upon the crisis which his people are to meet. This is a solemn, solemn reading. Now, I'll, I'll read from the Great Controversy, Great Controversy, page 625. It says, As the decree issued by the various rulers of christendom against commandment keeping commandment keepers shall withdraw the protection of government and abandon them to those who desire their destruction the people of god will flee from the cities and villages and associates together in companies dwelling in the most desolate and solitary places 
many will find refuge in the strongholds of the mountains. Now we remember the story of Elijah when the death decree from Jezebel came that he he must die and he ran and ran and ran you remember but he did not die but he ran away now Jesus also said to them about the, the, the destruction of Jerusalem he said when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel stand in the holy place he that read it let him understand let them that are in Judea flee to the mountains imagine when God said run it means we should run and those who ran away they said no one not one Christian perish in the onslaught that followed but what about those who ran and hid themselves he say the beloved of God pass weary days bound in chains shot in prison bars sentenced to be slain some apparently left to die of starvation in dark and loathsome dungeons no human ear is open to hear their moans no human hand is ready to lend them help will the lord forget his people in this trying hour did he forget faithful Noah when judgments were visited upon the antediluvian world? Did he forget, Lord, when the fire came down from heaven to consume the cities of the plain? Did he forget Joseph surrounded by idolaters in Egypt? Did he forget Elijah when the oath of Jezebel threatened him with the fate of the prophets of Baal? Did he forget Jeremiah in the dark and dismal pit of the prison house? Did he forget the three worthies in the fiery furnace or Daniel in the lion's den? Zion said, The Lord had forsaken me and my Lord had forgotten me. Can a woman forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hand. The Lord of hosts has said, He that tortured you tortured the apple of my eye. Though enemies may thrust them into prison, yet dungeon walls cannot cut off the communication between their souls and Christ. One who sees this, their every weakness who is acquainted with every trial is above all earthly powers and angels will come to them in lonely cells bringing light and peace from heaven the prison will be as a palace for the rich in faith dwell there and the gloomy walls will be lighted up with heavenly light as when Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises at midnight in the Philippian dungeon. Amen. Last paragraph. Christ has spoken. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself as it were for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. I want to read a commentary in the Bible so that uh, we could see this thing more. I read from Ezekiel 14. 
verse 12. The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Son of man, when the land sinneth against me, that is in this case now the earth, the whole earth, Son of man, when the land sinneth against me by trespassing grievously, then will I stretch out my hand upon it, and will break the staff of the bread thereof. What does this remind you of? The plagues. We break the staff of the bread thereof, and we send famine upon it, and we cut off man and beast from it. Now, verse 14 comes the key. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord. Now, he continues in verse 15 and 16 down to verse 20, down to the end about things, calamities that will befall the land a particular location or country or nation that despises his commandments. Well, in this case, now we're looking at what God will do to the world because where we read in Isaiah, says, For behold, the Lord cometh to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. So I'll continue verse 15. If I cause not some beasts to pass through the land and they spoil it so that it be, de- it be desolate, that no man may pass through because of the beasts. Though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters, nor daughters. They, on, they only shall be delivered, but the land shall be desolate. This continues down to 19. Or if I send a pestilence, remember the plague, pestilence, the first one was a pestilence, or if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my fury, remember the seven last place, God's fury, upon it in blood to cut off from it man and beast, though Noah and Daniel and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. Now, God is saying these things to us, using these three men as examples. Look at life of Noah. Look at life of Daniel. Look at life of Job. The kind of life that they lived are examples to us living in the last days, especially because of the crisis around their life. How they maintain integrity despite the world's rejection of the character of God. How they maintain integrity despite governments being against them, like in the case of Daniel. How they maintain integrity, though Satan and his hosts were against him, like in the case of Job. And God is saying, though these three men were going, if these three men would be in in the time of trouble, they would deliver their own souls by their own righteousness. But no, we know that they are dead now. So he actually means that everybody will have to stand for his own. Mother will not stand for daughter. Daughter will not stand for mother. Uh, father will not stand for son. Son will not stand for father. Everybody will have to stand by his righteousness. So, first principle, first uh, lesson: let everybody begin to learn something about the righteousness of Christ now. Let us be, get acquainted with God for ourselves. That will not include father or mother, son or daughter. Let us know God directly, for there is an unbroken chain that Christ has linked to every soul. It is true that He might use agencies like parents, like teachers to help us to learn of him before. But they, they are just a means to an end. They are not the end themselves. The end is Jesus Christ. He wants us to know him. 
So this, the object of parents, teachers, anybody is to fasten the youth or whosoever that is dependent on them, fasten their hold upon the Savior, not upon themselves. And you who is the Christian, you should know why you are a Christian. You should know the God whom you are worshipping. Many of us are hinging upon the faith of others. We are hinging upon the warmth of others. We are Christians because we are around those who are standing, at least by, by God's grace. But when we are separated from their company, we don't know what to do anymore. We were, just, uh, we were just discussing outside of the mic before about the ten foolish virgins. They were all virgins. They were wearing their virgin, uh, their virgin clothes and uh, having their lamps burning. But when the decisive hour came, some people did not have any light anymore. And the decisive hour is this time of trouble. We have read before in good controversy that some people come up to that time having their sins unconfessed, not having made preparations. It was because they did not know God for themselves but they depending upon the experience of another. May God forbid it to be our experience. The second thing is that if you are a parent, seek to ensure that your child knows God from his earliest age. Seek, learn, teach that child to pray. Teach that child to see God's providence fulfilled in his life. Teach that child to understand what it means to call God Father as Jesus did when he was young. And you'd have done the best thing ever. If you read the book Education, she said, Ellen White said that the work of educating the young or the youth to know the Lord or in the way of the Lord is the most is one of the most noblest work. And that is why the work of the mother is second only to God's work. So teach them that and then it will so by, by this so that by this time, if they come up to this fearful time, they will save their souls by their own righteousness, which is the righteousness of Christ imputed to them. But I will continue with that reading. Verse 21, For thus saith the Lord God, How much more, when I send my four sword judgments upon the world now, not Jerusalem, the sword and the famine and the noisome beast and the pestilence to cut off from it man and beast. Yet, in this time of trouble, God is giving hope. Yet, behold, therein shall be left a remnant that shall be brought forth both sons and daughters. Behold, they shall come forth unto you Though I'm thinking that the person here now is referring to Jesus Christ, because according to that's because of Isaiah 53. So they shall come forth unto you, and you shall see their way and their doings, and you shall be comforted concerning the evil that I have brought upon Jerusalem, even concerning all that I have brought upon it. And they shall comfort you when you see their ways and their doings, and you shall know that I have not done without cause all that I have done in it, saith the Lord God. God wants to use us to glorify His Son. His Son has suffered a lot for our sake, for our sakes. Though He too has suffered, but because God is so self-denying, He is so selfless. He doesn't love, does not seek His own. He doesn't seek His own. The Son is seeking what pleases the Father. The Father is seeking what pleases the Son. That's how they live. So, the Father here is saying, "I will use these people to comfort My Son for pouring His soul out for them." When he sees his sons and daughters purified and made white, coming out of a time of trouble, he will be comforted. And that's why we see in Hebrews 12, 1, that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, that was the joy that, that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Because of all these things, he went through the process that he went through. He is forever human because of our salvation. And God is saying that 
in the future, he's making a promise. He's going to have sons and daughters who he will use to comfort Jesus Christ for what he has done and what he has gone through for our sakes. I want to be that individual who God will use to comfort Jesus Christ. He has gone through a lot for me and he's still going through a lot for me. I'm crucifying many times, even without my own knowledge. And I, I'm, 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 I'm begging that everyone of us who is listening should also be, uh, be part of the individuals who will comfort our Lord, who will make our Lord smile that, yes, his sacrifice was not in vain. And then when we look at what God is doing to the world, and when he will come out to punish the world for their iniquity, we shall, be, we shall rest satisfied. May God help us so that this will be our experience. I mean, on the right side, in Jesus' name. Amen. Reading from Review and Herald, April 24, 1883, paragraph 7. It says, Look not anxiously into the morrow. By the way, the, way I'm, the, reading, the reason I'm reading this is, in the first paragraph of the devotion, we read something like, God's people will not be free from suffering during this time. It's not going to be magic that's going to make them go through that suffering. There's going to be a preparation that they have gone through before that time so that when they get to that time, they are able to bear the suffering. There's privation, there's hunger in that time. There's a lot of discomfort for the people of God. But they are able to go through it because God has been leading them before that time. So, this place now I'm reading says, Today, employ your time to the very best account. Let your light shine for Christ, even in the performance of little duties. Tomorrow again, present yourself to Jesus as one ready to do any work, be it ever so humble. You get that? Prepare yourself, present yourself to Jesus as one ready to do any work, be it ever so humble. The faithful performance of today's duties will prepare you to take hold of tomorrow's work with new courage and zeal. And new zeal, saying, Hitherto has the Lord helped me. Ever stand as minute men before God. I'll stop there. God prepares us for tomorrow's trouble today. When we go away from the experience God wants to, us to pass through, we don't know what we're doing to ourselves. God is seeing something coming ahead that you cannot go away from tomorrow, that you are certainly going to meet. How can I get married and my wife is sick, for example, and I cannot take, as in, can I run away from that? You must. If your child is sick, you must take up your responsibility. Or, for example, I get into one situation tomorrow that I can't do nothing about. Nothing, really. But God sees what is going to happen to us in the future and gives us to some tests today so that we can have some experience similar to that one or that will call out some characters in us. And when that character is called out, we will then be able to use that same character to weather the storm for tomorrow. So he stirs up some trouble today. It's now left for us to allow ourselves go through it in God's way or break God's commandments and escape the trouble. So for example, a student has he is writing an exam. He sees that he doesn't know anything. He's either going to fail that exam or he cheats to pass that exam. 
Now, if he fails that exam, he is going to pass through a tough experience. What he doesn't know is that that experience is preparing him for tomorrow's trouble. But if he chooses to go away from it, what's going to happen? He has lost what God wanted to teach him. So tomorrow's trouble is going to come and find him how? Unprepared. And he won't be able to meet it. I can give numerous examples on how little troubles we face today, God puts us through them so that we, it prepares us for tomorrow's duty. So my point is, if we want to be prepared for, the, prepared for the time of trouble, we must keep God's commandments today. Because it is when we keep God's commandments that we get into situations that God wants us to get into. When we break it, we take ourselves away from the experience that God wants to take us through. So perhaps somebody has gotten pregnant out of wedlock. You now have an opportunity to pass through an experience of getting pregnant out of wedlock and having a baby without being married. It's a tough experience, but you are getting an invaluable experience. Yes, you committed the sin, but if you choose to keep God's commandments and say, no, I will not kill this baby, God is pleased. He's going to take you through an experience that somebody who didn't even commit that sin you committed will not even have the character that you have. A very strong and powerful character that is other people may not even have. But if you choose to abort that baby, you have denied yourself an experience that God will want to teach you. There are many ways we can go around this thing. The main thing that I'm saying is people like Job, people like Job, people like Joseph, in keeping God's commandments, they were taken to different places, like Joseph now. First thing, he was sold as a slave. He could have chosen to be like his brothers and avoid being sold as a slave and then he will miss the experience of being in Potiphar's house. In Potiphar's house, he chose not to sleep with Potiphar's wife. First of all, he was faithful. It was an experience too. He was elevated because of that. Then he chose not to sleep with Potiphar's wife. It took him through an experience of being imprisoned and that imprisonment taught him lessons. And in that prison, he went through another experience. From there, God took him to the next level and he was able to be the second in charge of Egypt. um, Joseph wouldn't have been what he was if he didn't pass through those previous experiences of being in prison or being sold as a slave to Potiphar's house. So my point is, if we must be prepared for that time of trouble, then allow God to take you through an experience. And the only way you can do that is keep God's commandments. Do not cut corners. When we cut corners, we deny ourselves experiences that God wants us to have to prepare us for bigger troubles tomorrow or to even put us in a position where he will want us to be tomorrow which is in his kingdom that's the final position he wants us to be in his kingdom may god give us the strength and grace to trust him enough so that we we will allow him to give us the experiences that we are running away from when we keep his commandments may he give us the grace to give trust him enough so that we can go through those experiences and become what he wants us to be in jesus name Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you for the reminder you've given to us today of the future events. Thank you for the admonitions you've given to us from every contribution that we heard. We pray, Lord, that you help us to call out that love, that I love you enough to keep your commandments today. We pray, Father, that you would help us that as we pass through different experiences in our lives, that it will teach us that you do not forsake your people in the time of trouble. You who did not forsake all those people we listed before, help us, Lord, today 
to trust you enough so that we would also be ready to pass through whatever trouble you want us to pass through or experiences. I pray, Father, that if there's any way, of course there must be ways in our lives where we have not yet perfected our character. We pray, Father, that you continue to work on us, that you continue to prune us, continue to prepare us, bring us and fashion us into the character of our lovely Jesus. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.